I want to welcome you. My name is Dan Song. I'm one of the pastors here at Restoration. It's good to be together. Um, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at the first 12 verses of that chapter. If you don't have a Bible, you could turn to page 1012, 1012 of the church Bibles, and uh, there you'll find James chapter 3. I'm going to invite Susanna McKeon, a member of our church, to uh, read the passage for us. And as she does, just to kind of catch you up to speed on where we're at, we are at the halfway point of James. And what we've looked at so far throughout this series is that as we live in a very fractured world, which I hope that resonates with you, whether it's politically, socially, in your families, there's just a lot of fracturing that has happened in the church as well. Uh, James offers us, this letter offers us a way to bring wholeness and healing and restoration in the midst of a fractured world. And we've seen different ways of how we're called to live that out that's rooted in the gospel of Jesus. But today what we're going to be looking at is further another way to see that. We touched upon it in chapter 1, but it's words. The power of our tongue and the ways in which that can bring fracturing or healing. And so I'm going to ask Susanna to read this for us. And so let's give attention to God's word. James chapter 3 verses 1 and 12. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Susanna. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you, and we thank you that your words um, are full of life and grace and truth. And so may that be so as we hear from your word, that it would truly transform us and make us more like you, so that we might be agents who bring healing and wholeness to a world that is broken and fractured. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To ask you a question, have you ever experienced uh, memories that flood your mind because of a past experience that you encountered in that present moment? I'm sure all of us have, or if not all, many of us have. Well, this happened to me two weeks ago, two Sundays ago, when the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs were about to play uh, to be able to go into the Super Bowl. Now we know the Chiefs made it into the Super Bowl, and there's probably a lot of you who are excited to watch them hopefully win. But that day, we had just finished Welcome Lunch, and so I finally plopped myself down on the sofa and turned on the TV to watch this game. And there was a hype video, a hype video to get the viewers excited. And there was a TV sports personality that was on where he was walking through the entire Arrowhead Stadium kind of getting people ready to show what is entailed in getting the game going. Now, when I was watching this man being panned throughout the entire three or five minutes, he looked like a former teammate of mine on my high school basketball team. And I'm like, is that him? And there was a little bit of anxiety, you know, a little bit of stress, thinking, who is this guy? He looks just like him. And I haven't seen him since high school, back when I graduated in 2000, or 2000 1997. <laughs> Jeez. And by the end of it, when the segment finally ended, the sports commentator said, thanks, so-and-so. I'm not going to say his name. And when they said his name, it confirmed that this was my high school basketball teammate. And a rush of Negative emotions just overwhelmed me because it wasn't memories that were good. It was memories of him spewing a lot of racist 
hate and just because of who I was and the color of my skin would always just blast me and basically bully me for three seasons on the basketball team. That was hard to experience in that moment because of the words that I had forgotten about. I had forgotten about him. And in that moment, all of those words came back in an instant. Now, why I share that this morning is because words have so much power. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never leave me. Obviously, we know that's not true. Words will leave us with deep, deep scars that can sometimes never be healed. And we have all experienced that. And as we look at this passage this morning, what James is offering us is, or at least recognizing, is that the reason we experience so much fracturing in our lives is because of the words we use, the words that we speak with. Now, in our cultural moment, it's not just the words we say verbally, right? It's the words that we type or post in the social media um, post. Or it's the comments that we leave on social media. It's the texts that you write to your friend and to your family member or to your coworker. Words, whether typed or verbal or nonverbal, leave us with much damage in our lives. Words are powerful. And what James wants to show us this morning is that if we are to be people who bring wholeness and healing, we have to recognize that we need to be able to address the words that we speak with. And so in order to do that this morning, so so that we can be a people, a community that brings healing and wholeness, we have to see this in two ways. First, we have to see the danger of our tongue. But secondly, we have to look at the source of our tongue. So let's look at the danger of our tongue first. What we have to see here is that our tongue and our words are not neutral. They are not neutral at all. And James seems to be alluding to that through these images that he gives us. And the three, these three or four images that he shows us is that words are powerful, they're destructive, and they're uncontrollable. Now first, They're powerful. He gives two different illustrations of how powerful our words and our tongue are. First, he says he uses this example of a bit for a horse, and then he uses an example of a rudder. Now, think think about a horse and a ship. These things are strong, powerful, muscular, and just gigantic, right? If you've ever seen a horse or if you've ever ridden a horse, they are muscular creatures, So strong that if they kicked you, you would be seriously injured or you would die. And yet what James is saying is that this little bit, this little metal strap that goes into the horse's mouth can control this powerful creature and can steer it wherever it wants to go. Now with a ship, think about the largest ship in the world is the USS Eisenhower, a U.S. aircraft carrier. It weighs 91,000 tons. It's powered by a nuclear-powered, nuclear 280,000-horsepower engine. And yet, what steers this massive ship that's nuclear-powered with its nuclear-powered engine? A rudder. And that rudder directs where it goes on the sea. In other words, what 
James is saying is that the tongue is absolutely powerful, able to steer its course and direction for life. And that's what the tongue is. This tiny little organ of ours that has the power to steer your life wherever it goes. We don't think about that, but every time you utter your, the words that come out of your mouth, it can steer you and set the direction of your life. As a 45-year-old, or a mid, not 44-year-old, in my mid-40s, I've thought a lot about, like, where do I want to be in the next 20 years or so? And whether it's thinking about family, with my career as a pastor, I've thought a lot about that, whether you want to call that a midlife crisis or not. But I think it, it makes sense when we think about the power of the tongue steering the course of our lives. Because when I see there's those certain men in their 70s and 80s, jovial, who bring so much encouragement to my life, I want to be like that man. But if my words are filled with criticism, complaint, sarcasm, that will not lead me to that place where I want to be that kind of man who brings joy and life to others. That's what James is saying. Our tongues have the power to steer us in some direction with the words that we use, the words that we say. That's why I think Paul, uh, James gives a stark warning in chapter 3 about teachers. More than a privilege, it's actually a responsibility to be able to use our words well because we have to choose and we are speaking all the time. So for us as elders and pastoral staff and ministry, how are we careful and what are the words that we choose as we instruct and teach people that God has called us to shepherd over? But it's for all. The words have power and our tongue has that much power. But secondly, he gives us another illustration or example, an image of fire. It's not just powerful, it's destructive. And what he says is that it's Yes, there's times where our tongue is used to destroy people because we just don't like them and we are set out to be able to destroy their lives with our words and we do that sometimes. But more than, more than not, the way we use our tongues is more like an accident. It's carelessness. One of the largest fires, the ninth largest fire, is called the, is, was called the Car Fire in California back in 2008. It destroyed 229,000 acres of land. It damaged and destroyed 2,000 buildings and homes. And it resulted in $1.6 billion in damage for the state of California. And do you know how it all started? It wasn't an arson. It was someone who wanted to get this place on fire. But rather, it was a blown tire which caused a spark and created a fire with the dry vegetation along the highway edge. That's the destructive nature of our tongues. A little spark, sometimes deliberate, sometimes careless, sometimes unintentional, but those little words have the ability to destroy lives, including your own. Some of us experience that. Think about how we use our words, a harmless joke, even a crude joke, a white lie, sarcastic comments, 
exaggerations, complaints, selective stories and what you argue, flattery, bragging, innuendos that you make, gossip, criticism, hasty comments, unthoughtful words, defensive comments. These little sparks can create such a destructive path for those around us. Think about my own marriage and before I married my wife, there was a certain way my family fought and we just used whatever words we wanted. And that's just how we fought. That was what conflict looked like. We used the worst words, the nastiest words, and the next day we'd be fine and we'd be back to normal. So when I brought that to my marriage, right, even a word like liar became destructive. Calling my wife a liar was the worst thing that she could ever hear. And when we use any words that can seem so harmless, it can leave a forest fire the size of 229,000 acres of land. This is the destructive nature, so destructive that James uses the word hell, Gehenna, the place outside of Jerusalem, of the city gates, where they would burn trash, but also there would be child sacrifices. They would leave children there to burn and die. And he's saying that hell, that Gehenna, has torched and lit a fire on your tongue. And that's the kind of destructive nature that our tongues have. The last way that we see the danger of our tongues is it's uncontrollable. And he gives us the illustration of taming animals, right? Of any kind of creatures, whether lions, bears, tigers, oh my, that's not the right order, but you know what I'm getting at. These, these creatures, these animals that can tear you to pieces, shred you apart. Human abilities and amazing capabilities have been able to tame them where you could literally feed them with your hand, where they can nestle next to you and lie beside you. And even though we've seen these amazing human abilities and achievements in taming wild creatures and animals, when it comes to the tongue, you have to stop and say, but that's the one thing we have never been able to tame. It's the one organ that we continue to exercise over and over and over again, so much so that it is untamable and it is like deadly poison, James says. We understand deadly poison. Words that your parents have said to you over and over again. Coaches and saying that you are not good enough and spewing really hard and hateful things. Friends and the arguments at school or in your neighborhood with neighbors or bosses. These words that are uncontrollable, that are like deadly poison that can kill you. But it's not like poison where it's like, okay, I'm going to slip that little like poison to your drink and I'm going to kill you. It's more like food poisoning, right? There was one time where we had dinner together with someone who invited us over and we had it and the entire night, a few of our family members and I were just throwing up all night. And it's like that where the food looks good, it smells good, but you don't even know that it's 
killing you. Just normal joking, harmless gossip, and you don't know that it's destroying you. That's the kind of uncontrollable tongues that we have. Proverbs speaks to this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can use it for death or you could use it for life. A fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. You know some of those people, right? (laughs) A fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are a snare to his soul. How do we use our tongue? The danger of our tongue, as James shows us, is it is uncontrollable. It's destructive in nature and it is powerful. So what do we do? Well, I think what James is trying to show us here is that you are kidding yourself if you think you can actually sort out your tongue and control it. If you think you can have dominion and conquer your tongue and the words that you use, you're joking, you're kidding yourself. There's no way. James is leaving us with absolutely no hope in one sense because you cannot do it. I cannot give you a seven-step course on how to be able to use our tongues well because the, the nature of our tongue will be, able, will be to destroy and harm and kill. So what do we do? Well, I think this is where James, looking at verses 9 through 12, shows us some hope when we look at the source of our tongue. Look at what he says in verses 9 and 12. Because with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. What he's showing us here is that our tongues are inconsistent. They are fundamentally inconsistent with who we are. So, What he's showing us is here, he shows us these three illustrations in verses 11 and 12. Does a spring pour forth forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. In other words, when when we bless God and we curse people who are made in the image of God, it's inconsistent because guess what? It comes from the heart. What is in your heart? And from your heart comes an outpouring from your mouth. Jesus said this. He said in Luke 6, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. If I were to give you a glass of water and just pour one drop of poison, will you drink it? No. No. In the same way, when we are inconsistent with our speech, it shows the evilness of our hearts. It shows we want to murder, we want to commit, we we commit sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander, as we heard in the call to confession. And so what is our hope? If everything comes from the heart, then our hearts need to change. It's not behavior change. It has to come from something outside of ourselves that will change our hearts ultimately from salt water to fresh water so that everything that comes out will be fresh water that would bring life to people. And what we see here is that it can only come through the the one person, as James talks about, the perfect man who is able to control his tongue 
who's able to bridle his body and control it. And who is that one person throughout the history of life and the world? It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who is able to perfectly control his tongue and use it for life. Peter says that in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 2. He says, Jesus committed no sin. And no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for, a right, live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. In other words, every word that was uttered from his mouth was without any sin. Everything that came out of his mouth was right. Everything that came out of his mouth was life-giving. Peter said, you have the words of life. The word became flesh. And what? The word was filled with life, with grace and truth. Jesus is the one with his words. Not only does he speak to us, he sings over us. Do you know that? Zephaniah chapter 3. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And Jesus is the one who defends us with his words. In 1 John 2, if anyone does sin, with our words, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He defends us on our behalf to, his, to our Father. You see, his words are filled with life, grace, and truth. He sings over us. He defends us with his words. And ultimately, it will lead to his dying on the cross so that not only will we be forgiven of the ways that we use our tongue, but the power of sin would be broken once and for all so that our tongue doesn't control us, our tongue doesn't reign over us, our tongue does not have dominion over us, but who does? Jesus. Jesus has dominion over us. Jesus' life and his words have control over us so that when we speak, because our lives and our hearts have been changed and transformed once and for all, we can now speak truth and life and grace and love over others. You see, it starts from the inside out. And when we recognize what Jesus has done for you and for me, we can be people who bring wholeness to a fractured world with our words. I shared about my basketball teammate. Just an overwhelming anxiety and stress and anger that overwhelmed me. You know what else happened in that moment when all of that, the rush of emotions and memories came over me? I also remembered in that moment my other teammates who defended me, who spoke on my behalf and pushed against this guy and loved me well. So while I remember the words of hate and racist comments that he made. It's amazing how I also remembered 25, 30 years ago the words that they spoke to me, the words that they spoke to him, and it gave me life. It gave me dignity. 
It gave me love. And because of what Jesus has done for us, because our hearts have been transformed, we can now go offer life and love and grace for others through the words and through our tongue. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for you who was the word and became flesh, full of grace and truth, full of life, so that, Lord, we might be able to experience transformation in our hearts because of what you have done for us on the cross. So, Lord, I pray that wherever we are at, Lord, continue to remind us that we are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, that we might be able to go, go out and pour out praise and love and sing over others as you have done for us. Do that good work, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.